0: Welcome back to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. The Bricks and Mortar podcast, well, if you've got an interest in property, then this is the podcast for you. If you're buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then uh, in the next 20, 30 minutes or so, we'll take you through some interesting details about property myths. We're going to chat about some more property myths, going to try and debunk a couple of those main part of the show is going to be taken up about viewing. You get to a stage where you've found a property, you wanted to go and have a look at it. Well, what the hell do you ask the seller? I'll tell you what you need to be asking the seller. And then what we'll do is we'll we'll chat a wee bit more about podcasts and uh, maybe give you a couple of podcasts that I listen to and uh, you can download those and, and see what you think. This week in Glasgow, we've been having a fantastic time as far as the weather is concerned. It is very unusual for the middle of May to be as as glorious as this. Um, I think the last three or four days we've had some fantastic weather, so um, we've been uh, we've been blessed with that. Sometimes, what the weather brings is a bit of procrastination. Um, I suffer as badly as that um, as as anybody else. Uh, so I thought I'd maybe just do a, a quick bit about procrastination and and how I resolve uh, or get over uh, procrastination it really is one of the things that uh, is, is or can be quite difficult to get over and, and what I tend to try and do is, is use the, the two words bold traction uh, that's bold b-o-l-d and traction t-r-a-c-t-i-o-n and really what that says is that and what I found is of all the things to think about when you're actually trying to get motivated to do something that this little phrase is something that really helps me along. Ultimately, I think everybody finds doing something that they're not so keen in in wanting to do, Um, that there's a, a lack of motivation to do that. But actually, once you start doing that particular job, then you realise, gosh, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that's what bold traction's all about. It means what you've got to be is you've got to take bold steps. You've got to be bold. You've got to take the first step. And once you take the first step, then you're going to get some traction and you ultimately are going to find out, you know what, it wasn't half as bad as I thought it was going to be. So so that's bold traction. Have a go at that and, and see what you think. The rest of the week, um, well, just to tell you a wee bit about uh, iTunes, we've managed to get ourselves onto iTunes, so the podcast is on iTunes, so it would be great if you could um, go onto iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, and when you're on iTunes, if you've listened to the show, which uh, hopefully you have, if you could give us a rating, because if we can get up the rankings as far as iTunes is concerned, then um, we're going to be able to get the words and wisdoms of uh, the Bricks and Mortar podcast out there to, to one and all. So go on to iTunes and get subscribing. Okay, um, I'm going to now move forward and uh, we're going to talk about myths, what you do when you view a property and have a chat about some podcasts. Now, if you've ever bought a property or are considering buying a property you will certainly have come across the words gazumping and gazundering and they will strike fear if you are buying a property the last thing you want to find is that you've been gazumped. It's a terrible, terrible thing to, um, to be part of and thankfully it's very rare in Scotland But it is an absolute myth to think that it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen very often, but the Scottish system is such that it still can happen. I think during my time I've probably maybe had half a dozen cases of gazumping and it really is something that uh, you never enjoy, obviously, having to tell your client that their offer that had previously been accepted has no longer been is no longer acceptable to the sellers. So this is what happens. You get instructions from a client, you put the offer in, you get the verbal acceptance that everything's okay, price, date of entry, and then you wait for the written acceptance, and you wait for the written acceptance, and you start beginning to think, well, hmm, there shouldn't really be as long a delay as this for the written acceptance and then you pick up the phone and speak to the estate agents and the estate agents say mm, we've had another offer and our client has decided to accept that offer that's gazumping so you get a verbal offer accepted and then somebody comes in and the offer higher than you the good thing is that it is very rare in scotland but it certainly does happen. Um, I think it's more prone down in England, where I think the estate agents don't seem to have uh, as much of a, a code of conduct as they do up in Scotland. Certainly, my understanding with regard to the estate agency side of things is that For a great many of estate agents once the property has been verbally accepted it is nigh on possible to actually get another viewing of the property so the possibility of a potential seller going out to the property after your offer has been accepted um, is very limited. The other reasons why it doesn't happen so often up here is very much down to the, the law society If I'm acting on behalf of a purchaser and I put an offer in for a property and the offer is not accepted, I am not, by law society regulations, um, if, if, for example, we put an offer in at a closing date uh, where there's a competitive situation and our our client loses out, I am not allowed, under law society uh, regulations, to continue to act for the client if the client wants to put in a higher offer after the closing date. Um, and that generally puts the, the client off. So that's the, the Law Society have got rules and regulations which, to a greater extent, prevents uh, gazumping from taking hold um And the other reason, obviously, is that the estate agents rarely allow somebody else to go out to the property after an offer has been accepted. But it it can happen. Um, And as I say, I have been on the receiving end of gazumping a number of times uh, during my time as a solicitor. And the, the reason is that, ultimately, if a client that you've put an offer in for um that in a closing date that has been unsuccessful, he can go back to the estate agent and he can insist that another offer is taken to the uh, to the the seller. And a lot of estate agents will say you know they're duty bound to take that offer um, to their client. And that then leads to, to gazumping. It is something that, I have to say, is more prevalent down south, um, but it does happen up here. And if anybody ever tells you that gazumping just doesn't happen up here, yes, they're probably true, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen up here. So gazumping was where you're acting on behalf of the, uh, the purchaser and somebody comes along and you've had an offer accepted and somebody comes along and outbids you. Gazundering um, is where you as a purchaser put an offer in and then your client asks, once the offer has been accepted, your client then asks you to lower the offer so you chip the price. Again, that's something that if a client, if I was acting for a client as a purchaser, and we were successful in connection with buying a property, I couldn't then take instructions to chip the price Um, unilaterally. uh, You could possibly be able to chip the price under certain circumstances, but if the client's offer had been accepted, and the client then on a whim decided that they paid too much for the property, without any uh, real excuse, they cannot then go back and chip the price, or at least the solicitor can't continue to act for them when they are asking to chip the price. So that's gazumping and gazundering. Um, It is something that certainly, if you've been at the the other end of that, it really does leave a very bad taste, especially in the situations where you, uh, as a solicitor, acting on behalf of a client, um, are... You're so happy that you've got this offer accepted, and then you have to give the client the bad news that you nope, know, they've been gazumped. And sometimes what happens is it goes into a Dutch auction, and, and we put another offer in, and they put another offer in, and the whole thing is just completely shambolic. Um, and you know, hats off to the estate agents, certainly in Scotland, because it's down south. Um, gazumping and gazundering seems to happen, and uh, they don't seem to be too bothered about it. And thankfully, up here, uh, the estate agents—you know, a lot of people have a, a few choice words to say about estate agents—but really, estate agents up up here as a breed um, appear to be an honest bunch. And uh, you know, they they realise that if everybody starts going into uh, try and gazump and gazunder then you know the whole system's gone to the dogs so uh, yeah gazumping, gazundering doesn't tend to happen up here but it can so we're on to viewings um, we've dealt with getting a mortgage we've dealt with trying to find a property You've found the property and you decide, I'm going to go and have a look at it. Now, what you need to do is there's various questions that you should be asking the seller. There's certainly things that when you go into the property you should be doing. um, And there are certain things that you need to examine when you visit the property. And so we'll go through these three various points and start off with questions when I'm acting on behalf of a client and the client wants me to try and negotiate the price we're always going to get a better price if we can get into a one-to-one negotiation rather than on a blind bid situation on a closing date so as with all as with all negotiations information is absolutely king and the more information a client can give me can potentially unlock a great deal for the client you know some information that we get any piece of information can sometimes be the key that unlocks the the great price for the client so what my main um, point to my client is always when they ask me what should I ask at the viewing it says just ask absolutely everything what you need to do is to try first of all to get a rapport between you and the seller Because I think if you can get a rapport, then the the seller is going to open up to you more and potentially may be prepared to give you some information that they may not have been prepared to give um, had you not got that rapport. So start up the rapport and what you need to be asking, first of all, obviously, is have they bought? Because if they've bought, then they may be under some pressure to accept an offer. Um, Have a look to see how long the property is on the market. Again, longer the property is on the market, then there is a possibility that they may be under some pressure to sell the property. I would always ask them, do they have a figure in mind? You're better trying to get a figure from them so that at least that's a marker in the sand. Don't expect that that uh, figure is going to be Uh, necessarily a realistic figure that they're looking for it will probably be uh, quite toppy as far as uh, what their expectations are so at least it gives you a mark in the sand as to to what their upper limit is Um, I would ask them how many viewers they've had that just gets a um, gets it into their head that you know that if the property has been on the market for a little while and they haven't had very, many viewers, if you are showing interest, then they may be more uh, keen to talk to you about price. Ask them how long the property is on the market for. Again, it's all about speaking to the seller, and uh, just, if they haven't had any viewers, then almost ramming that home to them so that uh, you have got a better... Uh, start to the negotiation in the next couple of days When, if and when you want to start opening negotiations on price I would always ask how the neighbours are the last thing you want to do is to buy a property and then suddenly find out that you've got the neighbours from hell and also have a quick chat about whether or not the property's factored and, and what the position is with regards to common repairs always good if you're buying a flat to understand Uh, how keen the rest of the neighbours are to contribute to the upkeep and maintenance of the common parts. Uh, That is now 745 And we'll just continue on there. Um, The other thing to talk about is testing and whether or not you should be testing stuff. I remember when I, uh, back in the day was looking at a flat I remember uh, i was uh, i uh, put the uh, the hot water and the cold water on and uh, uh, my my wife was absolutely appalled that I decided to do that um, I remember one point that I ended up flushing the toilet just to see how the the flush was in the toilet um, I had want to stand in the bath just to see whether or not the, the seal around the bath was any good, but uh, you know, my wife said that she would divorce me if I uh, if I did that. I, I do think maybe that's a wee bit over the top um, and probably something that uh, the seller's not going to be too appreciative of, but I do think that you need to be going into the bathroom, examining the bath uh, and the shower seals, Of all the things that we get asked post-settlement and issues that arise post-settlement very much is leaky showers and, and leaky baths. So that's something that I would look at. Um, I would look at the age of the boiler just to see whether or not it's a newish boiler. Again, ask the owners if they've got uh, any cover. Uh, the lack of a maintenance policy is sometimes a telltale that uh, the boiler is not in great nick. I'd have a nosy about the windows. Um, I would just make sure that the window sills are okay. If you can open the windows, always good just to have a look to see if the the windows open and smell you'll maybe wonder why i've i've asked about smell well damp is, is a problem obviously for ground floor flats and uh, it can be a telltale uh, of damp the uh, the smell so keep your your uh, your nose in the game and uh, make sure that you keep you keep smelling so we've done the examination Uh, We've asked the questions, what about testing? Uh, You may want to just ask them, especially if it's the summer, ask them to put the boiler on or just ask them whether or not they've had any problems with the boiler. Um, You'll probably get a, a... A straightforward answer from the uh, from the seller and uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to look you straight in the face and uh, and not tell you the truth so um, I would always ask a question about the boiler Uh, again ask a question about the water pressure there's nothing worse than buying a property and then suddenly finding that uh, you've got the drip 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 of the hot water Um, as I say if you've ever had or bought a flat or lived in a flat where the water pressure is poor it's just it it drives you absolutely insane and again the flush of the toilet um, I would always flush the toilet just to make sure that uh, there's no problems with the plumbing side of things so that's viewing properties as I say armed with all the facts and information, if I was going to be acting for you, uh, I would be having a conversation with you the day after you viewed the property just to see whether or not you wanted to note an interest. And I would be just getting some feedback from you as to what questions you had asked. As I say, if I'm going to be negotiating on behalf of a client, information is king. And if you've got the more information that you can give me, the the better that I can disseminate that and uh, allow me to negotiate a harder price for you as far as the, the sale is concerned. So that's the viewing side of things. So we've got the mortgage all sorted out, or at least a decision in principle. We've found the property, we've viewed it. We're now going to start thinking about putting an offer in but before you can do that you've got to choose your solicitor and that's next week i'm going to talk about who you should use why you should use them and what the benefits are for choosing somebody who has been recommended to you so that's finding a solicitor i'm going to catch up with you next week on that Okay, we've got a little bit of time to play with, and I thought what I'd do here is just to give you... I might do this on a weekly basis, actually, uh, is to give you... A uh, recommendation as far as podcasts are concerned. You know, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you probably, this probably isn't the first podcast that you've ever listened to. And if you're anything like me, uh, you'll have a whole raft of podcasts that you regularly download, and, and sometimes there's never enough time to actually listen to them all. One of the podcasts that I like to listen to is uh, a pair of uh, American guys, and it's called The Back to Work podcast, I think if you just put into uh, iTunes, back to work. And what it is, it's uh, a fella called Merlin Mann, can't mind the other guy's name, but two Americans, and, and if you know anything about productivity, uh, Merlin Mann is is quite literally your man. Uh, he is a, a big fan of getting things done through David Allen. Um, I'll probably talk a wee bit about David Allen and getting things done over the, the coming weeks and months. Uh, he's got a book, David Allen, which really uh, I've bought into in, in quite a big way and has been a lifesaver. Is it is as much as that? I don't know, but it certainly helped me in getting myself organized with regards to uh, email Um, Merlin Mann espouses a theory called Inbox Zero where what he's trying to do is at the end of each day is to get your inbox completely clutter-free and if you are anything like me um, you will have an inbox which is probably just overflowing and in many respects I was using my inbox as a to-do list which is just something that I think a great many of us end up doing and that is the first thing that uh, I was taught in reading this book to to get rid of. So back to work, it's all about productivity, two American guys, they talk a bit about film, talk a bit about family, uh, talk a bit about work, uh, there's a fair amount of, of um Mac user stuff, so that's uh Apple stuff. There are a couple of Apple geeks. But it's a good show and I think that if you're prepared to give it a listen and stay with it, I think you'll you'll find uh that it's good fun and it is also uh quite uh yeah, that there's always a couple of things that you can take from it on the productivity angle, um, using iPhones, uh, using mobiles. Um it's just a good solid solid podcast so that's back to work give it a go OK friends that's me just about to wrap things up again for the Bricks and Mortar podcast Bricks and Mortar podcast well that's a, a podcast about buying and selling of property next week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about trying to find your solicitor and obviously being a solicitor myself, um, I'm probably going to give this a, a fair amount of thought as to uh, the type of solicitor you should be trying to instruct and, and why you should be uh, instructing uh, a solicitor from a recommendation. You can get in touch with me uh, through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn on the email. will be good to get an email. Any questions you've got, please send me an email on jgaw374 at gmail.com delighted to answer any queries that you've got in connection with the buying or selling process again we're on facebook bricks and mortar podcast just google bricks and mortar and join the facebook we've got the website and we're continuing to do blogs there and twitter so you can get me on the twitter che williams underscore bb so as i say that's us about to wind up everything for the podcast this episode uh Good day for me today. Managed to get uh, some tickets for the Athletics World Championships. uh, Number one and number two do like their athletics and they're members of a running club uh, Victoria Park based out in Scottsdale and one of the the perks of membership uh, as I think one of the perks of joining any athletics club was for the World Championships you got an opportunity to buy tickets before they went on general release so I was armed in between two meetings this morning at 10 o'clock, armed with the credit card details, and I thought it was going to be a bit of a bun fight, a bit of a lottery, but by 10 past 10, I was armed with four tickets for the final Saturday and four tickets for the uh, the final day. So it looks as if we're going to be able to see the 200 metres final, so you're saying Bolt should be in that, I guess, and uh, Mo Farah in the 5,000 metres, so that's next August, I think. Yeah, uh, 2017 August down in London. So we're going to be flying down there and uh, we'll have a ball. We'll have a, a great time down there. So I'm going to uh, shoot off now. Uh, I've got a, a BNI and i networking event to prepare for. Uh, before I go, if you want me to meet, do any seminars about productivity or any seminars about the buying process, then delighted to do that. Quite happy just to do that for, for no charge. If you've got any, uh, anybody at, at work that would like me to stand up and, uh, and give a talk, delighted to, to do that. Hopefully it will be pretty interesting. So do bear that in mind. Again, do get in touch with me. We'll catch you on the other side. That, this has been the Bricks and Mortar podcast changing perceptions on the way we buy and sell property catch you next time